Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with more accusations against Job as we pick up in Job chapter 22, verse 4. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Can a man be profitable unto God as he that is wise may be profitable to himself? Is there any pleasure to the Almighty that you are righteous? Or is it any gain to him that you make your ways perfect? Will he reprove thee for the fear of thee? Or will he enter into thee with judgment? In other words, Job, do you think that you're adding anything to God? Is it anything to God if you're good? If you justify yourself, it's no gain to God. But is not thy wickedness great and your iniquities infinite? For you have taken a pledge from the brother for nothing. You've stripped the naked of their clothing. You have not given water to the weary to drink, and you have withheld bread from the hungry. But as for the mighty man, he had the earth, and the honorable man dwelt in it. Thou hast sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless have been broken. So these are accusations now that he is making against Job. They're not proved. He is assuming these things now, but there is absolutely no proof to them at all. And Job doesn't answer them immediately, but in a couple of chapters, Job will answer these accusations. Uh, When we get to chapter 29, he answers the accusations that are made against him, or chapter 30. But uh, it's interesting how that hospitality was considered really a, well, not to be hospitable was actually a great wickedness. In other words, if you didn't give a cup of water, if you didn't give bread, if you didn't seek to help the poor, the widowed, the widows, the fatherless and all, then that was considered a great wickedness. I think that one of the tragic things about our culture today is that we are so much into ourselves that we really aren't even aware of the needs of those around us. I have great difficulty with people who can spend lavish amounts of money for their own luxuries and their own pleasure, but do not take any concern or any care for the poor. They think nothing at all of spending fabulous sums to adorn their own bodies. And yet if someone comes up who is really destitute, they're annoyed. Go away. Go ask someone else. It was considered a great wickedness in the time of the Bible, and I think that it is still a great wickedness. I do not believe that we can justify 
a luxurious lifestyle for ourselves when people are hurting, when people are hungry, when people are, within, are in great need. I think that we need to become more sensitive to the needs of others around us. I do feel very strongly that if God has blessed us, it isn't that we would use the financial blessings to heap up unto ourselves gold and silver while others are around us in, in real need, hungering and hurting. James said, go to now, ye rich, weep and howl for the miseries that have come upon you because you've laid up your gold and silver for the last days, but it's going to corrupt, it's going to be rotten, and, and the laborer that you have defrauded is, is crying out for his pay and all. Jesus said how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man. Why? Because they that are rich fall into different, many different temptations which damn men's souls. If God has blessed us, it is that we might use those blessings of God to share with others that are in need. And if we close up our hearts, if we close up ourselves to the needy world around us, to the needy brothers and sisters in Christ, while we are just spending foolishly for ourselves in luxuries that really are just nothing, then surely God will judge us. They're accusing Job of these kind of things. As far as they are concerned, they are horrible accusations, declaring the wickedness of Job. And because you have done these things, he declares, verse 10, snares are round about you, sudden fear troubles you, darkness that you cannot see, waters are covering you. Is not God in the height of heaven, and behold, the height of the stars, how high they are? And you say, how does God know? How can he judge through the dark cloud? Uh, he is now falsely accusing Job. He's saying, Job, you're saying, how could God see you when it's a cloudy day? <laughs> you know, God's up there in heaven. He can't see through the clouds. Job didn't say that, but this guy is just really laying one on Job. You're, you say that thick clouds are a covering, then he can't see through them, and he walks in the circuit of heaven. Have you marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overflown with a flood, which said unto God, Depart from us, and what can the Almighty do for them? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it and are glad. The innocent laugh them to scorn. Whereas our substance is not cut down, but the remnant of them the fire consumes. Now, Job, acquaint yourself with God and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto you. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. So his advice to Job is just get right, find God, Job. 
Just find God and be at peace. Listen to his words. Follow him. And then thou shalt lay up gold as the dust of the gold of Ophir, as the stones of brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be your defense, and you will have plenty of silver. For then shall you have the delighted in the Almighty, and you'll lift up your face unto God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he will hear you, and you shall pay your vows. And so Job answers him, and he said, Every day is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Really, I, I, what's happened to me is even worse than I'm complaining. I, I'm not even really complaining a full measure for what I'm really feeling. But oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his throne. You tell me to find God and be at peace, but I, I only knew where I could find him. Deep within the heart of every man, there's a desire for God. There's a search for God. There's a quest for God. Dr. Henry Drummond in his book, Natural and Supernatural, said there is within the very protoplasm of man those little tentacles that are reaching up for Father God. Oh, that I knew where I might find him is the cry on so many hearts, people who are seeking and searching for God. But so many times in our search for God, we're searching in the wrong places. Even as Job here in verse 8 and 9 says, I, I go before me, I go forward, he's not there. Backward, I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he's working, I cannot behold him. He hides himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Oh, that I wish I could find God. He says in verse 6, he wouldn't... <laughs> plead against me like you guys are, he would help me. He would strengthen me if I could just find him. I know that. But I look all around. I go forward, I go backward, go to the right and left. I know he's there, but I can't see him. I can't see him. I don't behold him. I, I can't find God. He's looking in the material things, seeking to find God in a material form. You will never discover God or find God in the material forms. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And God is seeking such to worship him. Eliphaz earlier had said to Job, who by searching can find out God to perfection? You can't. God does not exist at the end of an intellectual quest. It is interesting that so many people seek to apprehend God intellectually. And it becomes a real stumbling block. But if you had to be some intellectual genius in order to find God, look, of, look at how many of us poor people would be eliminated. But because God loves all men, even a child can discover him. While these brilliant professors and intellects go on saying, well, I'm an agnostic, a little child walks in the consciousness of God singing of him, talking of him. And out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, God has perfected praise. As Jesus took a child and set him in the midst of them and said, unless you become as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, that's a put down to our intellects. 
We like to think that through our intellect we can solve all problems. We can't. The enigma of God can never be solved through the intellect of man. God is discovered in the heart of a child in the area of faith, but it's spiritual dimension. You've got to leave the material and take the step of faith into the spiritual dimension to really apprehend God. And in the understanding of God, your intellect has very little value because God wants all men to understand him. So he puts it down to our level where we can understand and know him and walk with him. How beautiful it is. So Job's cry, oh, that I knew where I might find him. But I look all around. Job, look up, look up. Why is it that we're always looking around for God rather than looking up for God? It's because man has always sought to bring God down to his own level. They call, or they have what they call the anthropomorphic concept of God, that is, viewing God as a man. And this is extremely common because most of the time, a man's God is really a projection of himself. Now, you didn't know that you are as much in love with yourself as you really are. You hear a person say, oh, I hate myself. That's never true. They're just trying to draw attention to themselves. I'm so terrible, I'm so awful. They just want you to say, oh, no, you're not. You're wonderful. But we are very, very much in love with ourselves. You've heard the saying that the longer people live together, the more they look alike. You know what the psychologist's answer to that is? Actually, you're so much in love with yourself that when you are picking a mate, you usually find someone who looks like you. <laughs> and you marry them. And that's why the saying, oh, they've been living together so long, they even look alike, you know. Well, you just have foresight back a ways and you pick someone that looked like you. If we would take a wide-angle photo of the congregation here tonight as you're sitting here, and we'd have the thing blown up and put on the screen up here, who's the first one you would look for? <laughs> now, man then projects himself to immensity. This is what I would be if I were God. This is what I would do if I were God. This is where I would live if I were God. This is how I would respond if I were God. And so his God becomes a projection of himself. He projects himself to sort of immensity and then he worships that. A projection of himself. I oftentimes have people say, I don't know why God allowed this to happen to me. What they are saying is, if I were God, I surely wouldn't have made this mistake. If I were running things, I could have done it much wiser than that. I would have had a better plan. If only I were governing the universe, what a different world this would be. Well, that has to be the height of something. <laughs> oh, that I knew where I might find him. 
not in the intellect, not, in, not through the intellectual quest, not through the enlargement of yourself. God is found in Jesus Christ. He that hath seen me, Jesus said, hath seen the Father. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Jesus said, come unto me. And those who do have found God. From the little children to the college professor, we all have to come the same way. Setting aside our own intellectual genius and kneeling at the cross and saying, Oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I find God. Now Job, after speaking, I cannot find him. Here, Job is capable of coming out with those classic statements. In, in the midst of his depression and, and agony and all, he, he just comes out with these jewels and then he jumps right back into the pit. It's like he comes out on the mountain for a moment and just bursts forth in glory and then jumps right back down in the hole. And so all of a sudden he comes out on the mountain. He said, but he knoweth the way that I take. I can't find him. I can't see him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Deep down underneath, there is a strong faith that is keeping this man. Now, he's having great difficulties because he can't understand his problem. But down underneath, the faith is rooted. The guy is unshakable because down deep, deep, deep inside, there are certain basic things. I know that God knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I'm going to come forth like gold. God has a purpose. I'm going to come out of it. I'm going to come out of it purified. Perhaps Peter was thinking of Job when he wrote, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. Knowing that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold, though it perisheth when it is tried in the fire. Peter speaks of the refining process of God whereby the impurities are removed. And so Job is looking at all of this as really just a work of removal of the impurities. And when I come forth, I'm going to be like gold. I'm going to be refined by this process of God in my life. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept, and I've not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, this is interesting because it indicates that, number one, way back at this time, there was the written word of God. Even in the time of Job, who was perhaps a contemporary to Moses, or lived earlier, maybe. But even at that time, 
They had words that were esteemed to be the word of God. I esteemed his word more than my necessary food. How much value do you put on the word of God? You see, there is the natural man, there is the spiritual man. Those that are born again are both. <laughs> and that's where the rub comes in. The spirit is lusting against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. These two are contrary. A warfare going on. Now, I see to it that my natural man is fed regularly and fed well. <laughs> now, I will admit I do put some junk in him. But basically, I seek to watch my diet that is not diet in the sense that is the food that I eat. I, I don't limit it, but I just watch it. <laughs> I like the whole grain breads. I like a balanced meal, things of this nature. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 22 through 23 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. And may the Lord work in your life this week in a special way, bringing forth victory out of seeming defeat as he develops his work of love and grace within your life as he prepares you for the future and for those things that he wants you to possess of his grace and of his glory. May the Lord strengthen you Cause your life to be a witness for Him. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in You. I'll always believe in You. It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. And that is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.